to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Thank y'all for worshiping with us. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to keep going through the Sermon on the Mount, kind of getting close to the end here. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. If you have to use the table of contents to find that, there's no shame. Don't be scared to do that. Matthew chapter 7. Man, I appreciate Richard uh, bringing the thunder last week. Give him a little shout out. Thank you, Richard, for bringing the word. I was in the worship center, so I love to be in there, but miss being with you all. Hey, by the way, we have a lot of our college students back this morning. Can we welcome our college students back? Yeah, represent college students. Hey, do we, do we believe that this is God's word? Yeah, do we believe that when we read it, like we actually are reading the words of God? This is not, these are not trick questions. This should be like, if we can get excited, this is a good time, right? So we believe that these words change our lives. <laughs> Man, y'all got, let's get some excitement. Y'all, it's 2020. Let's go, okay? Is this the word of God? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, right, let's get a little Baptist in here, okay? Come on. All right. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, so hey, if it is, then let's read it and let's, let's dig in. Let's get serious. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Man, so even as we read this verse, man, we believe it's God's word. But as we read it, I'm willing to bet that some of you got, there's probably mixed emotions to this. Some of you, you get excited because you're like, oh, shoot. All I got to do is ask and I'm going to receive. You're already like making a list like Corvette, new Chevy. (laughs) You're already thinking about what you want. But something in you goes, I don't think that's what it means. Because if it did, like, we would just, like, stop right now and just start asking for stuff, right? But then some of us are, are discouraged on that same note because maybe you have asked, you have sought, you have not, and you don't feel like you've received. <laughs> so what's going on here? Let's take a moment to talk about what he definitely doesn't mean. And it's important because our, our culture... Um, and even, uh, yeah, just leave it that our culture would like to emphasize this passage to say, bro, whatever you want, you just got to ask for it, name it and claim it. Or as Pastor David says, blab it and grab it. <laughs> like, well, he's joking when he says that. But um, that's clearly not what he means. Jesus doesn't mean, hey, whatever you want, whatever your little heart desires, just ask for it and boom, there it is. Like, this is not, God is not Christina Aguilera, genie in a bottle, right? Like, that's not what's going on here. It's not what it means. How do we know that? Well, first of all, check it with the rest of Scripture. James 4.3 says, you don't have to turn that, but he says, ask, you have not because you ask not, but he says, 
you don't receive because you ask wrongly. You just want to spend it on your own pleasures, which James, if you know James, the brother of Jesus, uh, when I say know him, meaning you know the book, <laughs> you're really old if you know James, okay? Um, but he's straight up, and he's saying, look, you, you're not getting what you're asking for because you're asking for the wrong stuff. You just want stuff to make your, your uh, fleshly desires happy. You're asking for the wrong things. 1 John 5.14, he says, we have confidence that if we ask God, we'll receive what we ask for if we ask in accordance with his will. So there's kind of this condition there of you're going to receive what you ask for if, if it's in accordance with his will. And even I would say common sense tells us that this passage can't mean, that Jesus can't mean just whatever you want, whatever you want, just ask for it and you'll get it. Because first of all, if that was true, then that would make us God, right? If I could just tell God what to do and what to give me, then I would be like, I'm his master, and I'm certainly not God's master. <laughs> so that's one reason we know it, can't, it doesn't mean that just ask whatever you want. But a second reason is if God gave us whatever we asked for, would that be a good or a bad thing? be a bad thing. How many of y'all, if you're, if you're like married and looking back, if you're married to your high school sweetheart, don't say amen to this, but if, how many of us looking back to like middle school or high school and you can remember, I don't know if students still do this, but you can remember, um, maybe even in college, praying for God to salvage a relationship, like you're dating somebody, and like, God, please just say this, I think this is what it's supposed to be. And then like, like even now, I look back in my life and like, thank God he didn't answer that prayer. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else t can testify? <laughs> um, yeah, I can look back. That's just one example. We could look at so many examples of where we ask for things, and then later, through God's grace and goodness, we look back and we're like, man, God was really good to me. He was really gracious and not giving me what I wanted. <laughs> you with me? So it doesn't mean just ask for whatever you want, and that's what you're going to get. We know that from common sense and uh, <laughs> scripture sense, but also what the scripture just flat out says. So here's, here's what I think is the tension with this passage. We're going to dig into it. I think when we read it, we, we know it probably, like you're reading on your own, you're thinking, man, I don't think it means I can just ask for whatever I want. But the problem is we're not sure what it means. Because if it doesn't mean just ask whatever you want, what does it mean? Because he says, asking you shall receive. We believe not just that this is God's word, but we believe that God's word is best understood in context, Right? You don't just walk into a movie halfway through, stay there for five minutes and leave and go, well, that was a lame movie. That doesn't make any sense. No, you got to stick in there. you got to get the context. So what is the context of Matthew chapter 7? What I mean is, what, what is this a part of? It's a part of a bigger uh, narrative, so to speak. It's been part of a series, which is called the what? Yeah, Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, well, we've been doing a series. It wasn't Jesus' series. But we've been doing a series, Sermon on the Mount. And this is what this was part of. Jesus, back in... Matthew chapter 5, that's where Matthew started recording the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus preaching a message. So he had a, a crowd in front of him much larger than this, a crowd in front of him that he was preaching to. Which How cool would that have been to sit and hear Jesus preach? Do you think when Jesus preached it was convicting? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think it was encouraging. Like I think he probably had this perfect balance of really encouraging but also 
really challenging and convicting. And if you're not sure, let's, let's think back for a second. Again, this is all context. Matthew chapter 5, you can kind of flip with me if you want. Verse 3, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, he says, blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know what? That's encouraging, but it's also convicting. You know why? I'm not always meek. I'm not always humble. I don't always search for and uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Maybe y'all do that perfectly. I definitely don't. Are y'all with me? So it's encouraging, like, oh, if I do that, I'm going to receive this. But I don't always hunger and thirst for righteousness. In verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. So he's saying, you, as, talk about kingdom living here. He said, as people in my kingdom, you're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We can get excited about that. We have songs about that. But you know what the problem is? I'm not always good at being salty. Well, like the salty that Jesus talks about, right? <laughs> Something like too salty. But I'm not always good at being light. Sometimes I'm maybe a little dark. <laughs> but he says, you're supposed to be the salt of the world, of the earth, the light of the world. Then over in, in uh, verses 21 through 26, he talks about anger and, and he says, look, it's not just if you murder somebody. The, stat, the um, standard's not just don't murder. Like, don't be angry at your brother. And I'm going, oh, man, I struggle with that. I get angry. Like, I'm a pretty chill guy, but I can get angry sometimes. Y'all ever get angry? No, never. <laughs> oh, man. Then he talks about lust. Anybody ever struggle with lust? Yeah, he says it's not just like if you commit adultery. He says don't look at a woman with lust. Man, we struggle with that, don't we? You don't have to say yes, but I know it's true. <laughs> then he talks about divorce. He talks about like oaths, keeping your word. I mean, I'm, I'm bad at that. I don't know how many times. Like, I don't want to be legalistic here, but I'll say, yeah, man, I'll be there. I got you. I'll be there on time. And then. I'm 15 minutes late, and I want to use my kids as an excuse. Don't use your wife as an excuse. That's a bad idea. <laughs> I want to use your kids as an excuse. But the reality is I didn't keep my word. I was late. Talks about retaliation, not <laughs> doing evil, not trying to get people back, as Medea says, because the getter's got to get got. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he says, no, don't retaliate. And this talks about loving your enemies, praying for your enemies. And then in chapter 6, he talks about, not just practicing your righteousness to impress people. So not, not just fasting so that people are like, oh, man, that guy or girl fasting, they're really spiritual. Or, oh, man, look at that prayer. They must be so godly. He says, your spirituality should not just be about, or actually it shouldn't be at all about impressing other people what they think. It should be about what comes from your heart, about impressing God, about wanting to have a relationship with God. And then in the end of chapter 6, he talks about storing up treasures in heaven. So your focus, your treasure shouldn't be here on earth. Don't invest all your wealth, all your treasures, all your time on earth. Invest it in heaven. And I'm going, golly, like he's just stopping 
on the toes, right? <laughs> on everybody. I, I struggle with that. You do too. It too far. Then in uh, kind of midway through chapter 6, again, still talking about investing your treasure in heaven. We talked about this two weeks ago. He says, don't be anxious. So, again, big idea. You can go all in with God. You can invest everything in God, pursue him, store up your treasure in heaven, not on earth. And you don't have to be anxious because you have a father who cares. And I'm going, man, that's really good. That's encouraging. God has my back. I don't have to be anxious. But I'm still a little anxious, right? Still struggle just a little bit with worry. And then if that wasn't enough, he says, oh, by the way, don't, this is what Richard talked about last week from Matthew 7. He says, oh, by the way, don't be judgmental. So as you're hearing this sermon, you're being convicted, yet don't be looking around going, sure hope Caitlin's hearing this, man. <laughs> no, don't be judgmental. Don't be hypercritical because when you're hypercritical, you're being what? Hypocritical, right? So don't be judgmental. And I'm going, that's a good word, but dad, gum it, you're Jesus, you're stepping all over my toes. I, how do I do this? And to add that, verse 6, he talks about being discerning. So don't throw to dogs and to pigs what is holy. Don't throw pearls to them. So I'm not supposed to be judgmental, but I'm supposed to have discernment. How in the world am I going to do this, Jesus? Did, he, did Jesus set high kingdom living standards? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Incredibly high. Je Jesus was full of grace and truth. That doesn't mean Jesus came and was like, it's all good, live how y'all want to live. No. <laughs> he had high standards for kingdom living. You get into the kingdom through the gospel, through trusting in him. And you grow through that, but that doesn't mean that you can just live however you want. <laughs> how am I going to live or have any hope of living the kind of life Jesus expects of me? How are you going to have any hope of living the kind of life that Jesus expects of you. I don't know about y'all, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I could try really hard. When all those things Jesus lists, like, I'm going to fail really bad at those. I think it's in the context of that <laughs> that Jesus says what he says in verse 7. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Man, how do we have any hope of living the kind of life Jesus expects of us? Because we have a Father who delights in giving good gifts. <laughs> He's saying, you, you need help living the Christian life. You need help fighting lust. You need help fighting anger. You need help having a humble spirit. Just ask. And he is a good father who delights in giving good gifts. Amen? He wants to help you. He delights in it. And if you're like, man, I'm, I'm not sure about that, that interpretation, hey, let me prove it to you. Verse 12, I think, is the proof 
that I'm not. See, told you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, sorry. <laughs> it's like once a week that happens right about midway through the sermon. <laughs> um, I think my beard's just attacking the mic. Anyways, I think verse 12 is the proof that this is, or evidence, I should say, that this is right interpretation. So he says, ask, you will receive. And then, so verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and prophets. Again, the whole law and prophets are summed up in, hey, Don, should I just switch, uh, let me switch to handheld? Yes? Sweet. Now I'm going to access my inner wrapper for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> Not really. Whatever, he says, so, so because you can ask and receive, so, there's a lot of power in the word so there, therefore, because of that, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. So he's saying, again, the law and the prophets are summed up in that, and really even the Sermon on the Mount is summed up in that. And he's saying, because you can ask and receive help, because you can seek and fine, because you can knock and the door will be open, he says, you're without excuse when it, com- when it comes to treating other people how you want to be treated. You tracking with that? Man, it's really hard to treat other people how we want to be treated because, look what Pastor David said, the, the, um, the primary human problem is self-absorption. Absor- am I saying that right? Being absorbed with self. <laughs> like selfies or not even slow fees, whatever that is, right, <laughs> on the new iPhone. I, love, I do love the commercial with the old man shaking his cheeks. But <laughs> his face cheeks. <laughs> oh, sorry. Man, I grabbed this mic and things are going down, bro. <laughs> it's going downhill quick. <laughs> it's really difficult to move on right now. But it's also really difficult to treat other people how we want to be treated. But Jesus says you're without excuse. We have no excuse to not pass it on because Jesus is good to us. I was going through um, Chick-fil-A the other morning and got breakfast, and I got up to the window, and they're like, oh, man, a pay it forward is the word I'm looking for. They said, oh, the car in front of you bought your breakfast, and uh, they paid it forward, whatever. And I said, well, I'm going to pay it forward. Uh, somebody behind me, and she looked and on the camera. She said, no, no one's behind you. Well, she went to get her food, or, I mean my food, and uh, she came back, and I said, to kind of joke, and I said, Man, how messed up would it be if when you told me no one was behind me, I was like, yes, that's awesome. I don't have to pay for somebody. And she said, you would be shocked at how many people do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. Hopefully that's not you. If it is, I'm throwing a little shade at you. <laughs> but, man, I thought that's crazy. If someone, like, is good to you and, I, and I'm without excuse to just pay it forward, to pass it on. I think that's the idea Jesus is getting at, that you're without excuse of treating people how you want to be treated, of serving them, of loving them well, because all you got to do is ask for help, and Jesus will help you. Y'all with me? Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. I think about, we were on a trip uh, to Africa one time, and um, it was crazy. We did not pay for this, but somehow they had enough uh, openings in business class, and they put like 10 of our group in business class, didn't pay an extra dime. Just if you're wondering, is business class rather than uh, better than economy? It definitely is. Okay, <laughs> you get to lay down, you get steak. It's awesome. Anyways, so we're like uh, all our team we went to sleep, laying down in your little like pull out bed, I guess. And 
halfway through the flight, it's like an 11-hour flight, I think, from, uh, we're going from London to, to Nairobi, Kenya, whatever it was, just a long ways, around eight hours, something like that. Well, halfway through, I get up to go use the restroom, and I see uh, one of our girls who remain nameless, who she, she goes here, but she's on the trip, and she uh, is sitting in her chair that it lays completely flat, but she's just curled up in it like super uncomfortable because she doesn't realize if you press the button, it lays flat. And I'm like, she is missing out. So I go up to her chair and start pressing the buttons. And sure enough, she starts slowly unfolding while she's sleeping. But I stopped about halfway because I realized the man across from her didn't know that I knew her and was definitely getting creeped out. Like, <laughs> who is, what is this guy messing with this girl for? But I, I told her when it was, I'll just say, it was Katie Ritchie. And we got to Kenya <laughs> under the bus. And I said, Katie, I, I tried to like press the button on your seat because you had access to a great flight. Like, you could lay down and sleep for eight hours. You don't, we don't even get that with kids now, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. And you, you could lay down for eight hours, and you missed out because you, you didn't know you could just press the button. You could have this way better flight. That's how so many, so many of us live the Christian life. Jesus is saying, hey, I know it's tough to live the kingdom life. I set the, the standards pretty high. But you have access. You just... You just got to ask. You with me? It's there. It's right there for the taking. I think as simple as Jesus makes it in asking, I think a lot of us don't ask because we're missing. There's two things in the passage we're not seeing. I'm going to point those out to you kind of quick. So the question I want to ask now, oh, wrong button is how do you access your father's good gifts? And hang in there, I, I, this is not something we earn, but I think, again, we need some help in this because I think most of us don't pray very often. <laughs> we don't ask God. So how do we access our father's good gifts? Here's the first thing. Know you're needy. <laughs> know that you're needy. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. People who don't think they need to know something, don't ask. People who don't feel like they're missing something, they don't seek, right? People who don't want or know that they need to dine with someone, they don't knock on the door. Know that you're needy. <laughs> One of the greatest hindrances to us asking and seeking and knocking is pride, right? I got, this, I got this life figured out. I'm good. I'm cruising. Just rolling. When you have a humble spirit, you're going to start wanting to ask and to seek and to knock. And I think maybe another thought under that of knowing that you're needy, when you know you're needy, it means that you don't try to hide it. I love this that, Again, when you ask and seek and knock, you're just putting it out there that you need something, right? You with me? You're putting it out there that you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> that you need some help. And one of the biggest hindrances to us praying and asking God for help, I believe, is we have it in our minds that prayer means we have to clean ourselves up and come to God with it all figured out. Does that make sense? Like we read the Sermon on the Mount, we're like, ugh, I'm not good at this stuff. And rather than saying, God, I need your help, I, I, 
I'm anxious all the time. I'm angry, whatever it may be. Instead of just being honest, we, we read that and then we pray and we're like, Lord, let me be a light for you today. <laughs> Instead of going, God, I, I'm not good at being light. I need your help. I think this passage, when he says ask and seek and knock, because he's saying you can be honest, you can be real about the fact that you don't have it all together. I, I want to read, I've mentioned, uh, I think twice now in the past month or two, a book called A Praying Life. We have it back there. And uh, I don't do this very often. I want to read a, a good portion of it. It's about three paragraphs. Because, one, I think, like me, you're going you're gonna to hear these and go, bro, that was written for me. <laughs> and also, I just couldn't figure out how to make it shorter. <laughs> so that's why I've got all three. But I want you to lean into this. It'll probably make you want to buy the book, I'm just saying. Jesus wants us to be without pretense when we come to him in prayer. Instead, we often try to be something we aren't. And in this case, we try to act like we're not needy. We begin by concentrating on God, but almost immediately our minds wander off in a dozen different directions. The problems of the day push out our well-intentioned resolve to be spiritual. We give ourselves a spiritual kick in the pants and try again, but life crowds out prayer. We know that prayer isn't supposed to be like this, so we give up in despair. We might as well get on to something else. What's the problem? We're trying to be spiritual. We're trying to get it right. We know we don't need to clean up our act in order to become a Christian, but when it comes to praying, we forget that. We think, oh, I have to get it all in order before I can pray. Like adults, we try to fix ourselves up. In contrast, Jesus wants us to come to him like little children just as we are. The difficulty of coming just as we are is that we are messy. And prayer makes it worse. When we slow down to pray, we are immediately confronted with how unspiritual we are and how, uh, with how difficult it is to concentrate on God. We don't know how bad we are until we try to be good. Nothing exposes our selfishness and spiritual powerlessness like prayer. In contrast, little children never get frozen by their selfishness. Like the disciples, they come just as they are, totally self-absorbed. They seldom get it right. As parents or friends, we know that. In fact, we are delighted most of the time to find out what is on their little hearts. We don't scold them for being self-absorbed or feel fearful. That's just who they are. This is the gospel, the welcoming heart of God. God cheers when we come to him with our wobbling, unsteady prayers. Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all you have learned how to concentrate in prayer, whose minds no longer wander, and I will give you rest. <laughs> no. Jesus opens his arms to his needy children and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. What does it feel like to be weary? You have trouble concentrating. The problems of the day are like claws in your brain. You feel pummeled by life. What does heavy laden feel like? Same thing. You have so many problems you don't even know where to start. You can't do life on your own anymore. Jesus wants you to come to him that way. Your weariness drives you to him. Don't try to get the prayer right. Just tell God where you are and what's on your mind. That's what little children do. They come as they are, runny noses and all. It's a good word. 
He says, let your weariness drive you to him. I think in our context of the passage, let your neediness drive you to him. God, I'm needy. It's tough living for you. I need your help. If you stop just with knowing you're needy, you're probably still not going to ask him. Here's the second thing. Know you have a good father. He's a good father. I'm going to read in verse 9. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven, excuse me, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So he's saying, he's not malicious. God is not some psycho sicko like, oh, you asked for a fish? Ha ha, here's a rattlesnake. Like, that's not what God does. He's not sick. He doesn't, want, he doesn't delight. He's not a weird, perverted God who wants us to come to him and, like, be shaky and nervous. God, I was wondering if you could help me with this. No, he's not a sick dad. He's a good dad. He's a good father who delights in giving the good things that we ask for. I love that he says um, he, he gives good things to those who ask him. Again, only good things. Sometimes we ask for things that we think are good, but they're not. <laughs> Just because you desire something doesn't mean it's a good thing. Amen? He, being a perfect father, will only give us good things. And when we ask for those good things, like, God, help me to have a pure heart. He says, oh, man, I'm glad you asked. Hey, I want to give that to you because he's a good father. I want to point out, too. Notice Jesus in really verse um, 9 through 11, he kind of gives his argumentation, like he's trying to give us the why, why we should ask. Notice his argumentation on why we should ask, seek, knock is built on who God is. It's built on the fact that God is a good father. So you're, you're receiving when you ask. It's not based on if you're just really good at asking. <laughs> you're Finding if you seek is not based on if you're really good at hide and seek. You're, the door being opened to you is not because you're really good at knocking or because you're perfect. No, it's that when we come to him needy and messy, because he's a good father, man, he delights in opening the door. It's based on who he is, not who you are. Again, that's the gospel. And, and I would say, too, man, some of us who've grown up in church for a long time, and shame on me if I've added to this, but... We forget the gospel that my relationship with God is based on, is defined by, is kept by what Jesus has done for me on the cross. We forget that. And so when we come in prayer, we're a little hesitant because we feel like God is mad at us or we're not sure if everything's cool, that he has beef with us. And the scripture says that if you know Christ, you are at peace with God. So you can come to your heavenly father not with worrying about there's this wall between you like, oh, man, awkward elephant in the room. Man, if you have sin, you need to confess. You need to do that. But the point is, your relationship, your standing with him as a father is based on the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? So when I come to him, I can come, as Hebrews says, with confidence because of Jesus. And more than that, if you're like, man, how do I know he's a good father? He gave Jesus to save you. Talk about a good gift. Does Jesus give good gifts? Oh, excuse me. Does God give good gifts? Yeah, Jesus. 
If you're ever like, man, what's the proof that he's a good father who wants to give good gifts? The cross is all you got to look at. The cross has the final word. We sing a really epic song about that. But that's the truth. Jesus is proof that he's a loving father who delights in giving good gifts. So you got to know you're needy. You got to know you have a good father. And then the third most obvious thing is you got to (laughs) ask. Ask. Don't be like our friend Katie on the plane and miss out on access. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, well, you got about to have a business class, first class ride Christianity if you ask. I don't mean that. What I mean is living the Christian life is a lot more doable and I would say a lot more enjoyable when you're living empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you're asking and seeking, God, I need your help. And notice that, well, you may not notice in the English, but and I didn't notice in the Greek either. I had have a computer program help me out here. But in the Greek, it's present active. It means keep on keeping on. So it's not like, hey, God, could you help me with this? Oh, you're not sure? I I didn't hear you. Okay, never mind. Like, no, come boldly, like Hebrews says, and ask persistently. Seek persistently. Hey, God, I was wondering, could you help me with this? Didn't get an answer today. Next day, hey, God, could you help me with this? Oh, God, I was wanting to talk about this. God, can we talk? He's inviting you to bang on his door. <laughs> but we're like, I, I don't, I don't want to bug God. He, I'm busy. He's busy. He says, come on. <laughs> just ask me. Just seek for me. Just knock, and it will be open to you. He wants to help. Think about this. What an invitation that is. And this is not an invitation when he says, uh, ask, seek, knock. This is not an invitation like, <laughs> like God's throwing a party for everybody that wants help, and he's like, Oh, shoot, Brandon just found out we are having this party. Like he, like you're the afterthought. Like, Brandon, uh, I guess you can ask, seek, not to. <laughs> like, I, I guess, man, well, dadgummit, well, I, didn't, I hate that he heard about this. <laughs> no, he's saying, if you're my child, ask, seek, knock. This invitation is for you. The creator of the universe. Think about the, the, the picture of this. Jesus, the creator, of, by, through him the universe was created by his word, is standing there saying, our Father, God himself, has an open invitation for you to live in power, live the kingdom life empowered by him if you'll just ask and seek and knock. We are fools if we don't ask, right? If I say I'm too busy, and I do sometimes, I'm too busy, I didn't get to my prayer time this morning, you should slap me. I mean, don't really do it, but like, what is wrong with me? I'm missing out. Because if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you're going to find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. So here's how we're going to finish. I think Jesus' invitation for help with the kingdom living to ask, seek, knock, should teach us, should convict us that living the Christian life in defeat is not a good option. <laughs> Don't make defeat your thing. Don't make, oh, man, it's just so difficult, despair and drudgery and hopelessness your thing. Because you can ask and seek and knock, and he wants to help you, make victory and hope your thing. <laughs> I don't have to walk 
discouraged and always frustrated. This is so difficult because he's saying, I want to help you. Just ask and seek and knock. God, I struggle, I struggle, I struggle with, with a humble, meek spirit. Just ask. God, God, I struggle. I know that you say if I live for you, I'll be persecuted, like it says in Matthew 5. I'm scared of that. I need boldness. Just ask. God, I struggle with anger. My temper gets the best in me. I'm like Haddon. I just squeeze when I get angry. Just ask. God, I struggle with lust. Man, it's, it's, it's kicking my tail. I'm struggling every day. I want to have a pure heart. God, could you help me? Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with judging other people. Man, I feel like all I do is judge everybody that walks in the room, and I don't even know their story. God, could, could you help me? Just ask. Lord, I know I, I can be all in on you. I don't have to live in fear and anxiety because you're a good father who I can trust. Lord, but I struggle with that. I'm struggling with being anxious. Just ask. I want to help. And it's going to be easy. He says, just ask. So my question as we enter a time of response is where are you living, like meaning what in what area of your life are you living in defeat in the Christian life? You have not because you ask not. <laughs> Let's just ask this morning. We're going to sing a song in a minute. We have an opportunity to ask God to, to help us in whatever area it may be. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never realized that you're like super needy, like all of us, that you're a sinner, that you have a broken relationship with God because of your sin, that you're flawed, that you're messed up, that in spite of that, Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died the death that you deserve, but then rose again, conquering death, Satan, and sin in the grave forever. And this morning, if you will simply turn to Jesus and say, I need you, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm trusting what you've done for me, not what I think I can do. It says that you will have a relationship with God. You'll be part of the kingdom. Be his child. I mean, this morning, if that's you, and here, by the way, Jesus loves answering that question. If you're like, hey, Jesus, can I have a relationship with you? I, I would say he's already knocking at your door. It's actually the other way around. But anyways, if you'll say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life, would you do that? He's like, absolutely I will. <laughs> he loves opening that door. So if you don't know him this morning, Jack's going to be back at that coffee area. I'm going to be back at the Welcome Center this morning during this next song. And I want to encourage you, don't, like, don't get lost or distracted in the song. I'm like, well, I'll just talk to somebody later. No, as soon as the music starts, I want to invite you to come talk to one of us about what it means to know Christ. Or maybe this morning you're here, and again, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants, amen? So maybe you're here and the Lord's speaking to you about getting baptized or joining the church or who knows what. Man, whatever that is, I want you to respond accordingly. But if you're a believer, as we sing this song, where is it that you're living in defeat and with it, without the power of the Holy Spirit? Ask God to help you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and respond. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can ask and seek and knock. God, thank you that you're a good father who delights in giving good gifts. You're not malicious. You don't like seeing a squirm. So God, I pray that we would see your open invitation this morning that we would respond boldly. And God, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, 
Maybe they do feel that little knock on their heart. God, I pray that they would respond to you this morning. God, we know that when we ask you to save us, you are delighted to do that. God, I pray that as we sing, you would stir our hearts and your affection, our affections for you. God, we love you. Pray that we'd hear you right now. It's your name we pray. Amen. Y'all stand and respond with us. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.